Hi, my name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why, well, why not? And today's what is going to be a fascinating trip into the interesting forums of prisontalk.com. Now, prisontalk.com is a forum for people who have loved ones who are in jail or perhaps they are about to go to jail, and it's sort of a support forum for those people where people can come and ask questions and share their, their uh, trials and tribulations of being in the system. So we're going to read that in just a second before we get started. Of course, I want to thank everyone who supports the podcast on Patreon, and thanks everyone who has written a review of the podcast in recent days and all time, of course. Not trying to uh, rob anyone of their review writing glory. Oh, and if you want a Lou Reed's t-shirt, the Bonfire store is open again. Just go to bonfire.com and search for Lou Reed's and you'll find a shirt. Twelve people said that they wanted shirts and then I opened the store and only one person has bought a shirt. So hopefully the other 11 get on the ball. I think that's it. So without further ado, let's go right into the forums of prisontalk.com. And so the first thing we'll read in the prisontalk.com forums will be in the prison talk forum subform for quote unquote offenders subform recidivism and reentry in a thread started by Hellboy entitled, Why Does Your LO Keep Going to Jail? And it goes like this. Why does your LO keep going to jail? Why does he keep reoffending? At what point do you decide enough is enough and put an end to it? I did two years in prison and I promise you I learned my lesson before I even got there. I would never ever do anything to jeopardize my freedom and risk going back. It astounds me that some people don't seem to mind it. But at what point do you decide that this is never going to get better and that this person is never going to change? And Blah8705 writes, I feel like this question fits better here in this forum. For some inmates I think they might have tons of family members in prison, and so this life is all they know, hence why jail slash prison is a revolving door for them. I think maybe when they get a lot older and see how much time they've spent doing time is when they figure enough is enough, though each person obviously has their own rock bottom. I hope my fiancé doesn't ever go back. This was his first time getting in trouble, and none of his family has ever gone to prison, so nobody knew how to deal with this. As for me, if he gets in trouble again, I don't know if I'd stick around again. If he accidentally violates parole, then yes, I would probably stay, but purposely doing anything bad, then no. And Monkey Mookie writes, this is my LO's first time ever, and for me, this is enough. If he was to ever get in trouble again after getting out, I would not stick around. I hear the complaining to have to be there every day. How sad he is to be away from his family and sorry he is for hurting everyone. Those things need to be remembered when they are in the free world. I'm with you on the fact that I don't get how people clearly hate having to be in prison and slash or probation, but yet do something to land themselves right back in. It shocks me on how few the system slash punishments seem to really deter. And Candy520 writes, some keep going back because they enjoy it. They feel a sense of power and importance inside. My husband started in and out of the system very young. He was institutionalized. But his family kept being there and still is to this day. They send money, packages, put money on the phones. He lives for it. Out here, he could never adjust and always used being a felon as an excuse. Sad because there are so many success stories. I think back to Shawshank Redemption and the old man who was the librarian in prison and got out very old and sadly took his own life because he knew there was no other life than prison. And Red Girl writes, Who wants to employ an ex-prisoner? Scenario. Walk through the prison door into Civvy Street. A couple of quid in your pocket. Nobody to meet you. You belong nowhere except with the old crowd. 
And Summer Love 92 writes, Lack of positive role models, home environment, deep issues of shame, pain, anger that may fuel addictions that result in criminal behavior, mental health issues, many sociopaths. Some have no conscience and just don't care. Some are institutionalized and truly cannot cope or maintain long-term employment, so they are comfortable in prison. Some are just broken human beings. Some were so severely abused they cannot love themselves or others. Most in prison have deep issues that, if not resolved, will just continue to perpetuate the same criminal and hurtful behavior towards themselves and others. Many women believe their quote-unquote love can save a broken man. While everyone does need love, no human can fix another human being. I believe in the power of God, but the person also has to do their fair share of the work and get help. Many times long-term help and if they don't, sadly, it becomes a cycle of poor choices and behavior. And Offender No More adds, My husband and I both went to prison twice. For me, I had not hit rock bottom during that first stint. It was my second stint that did it for me, and I have to admit, I'm much happier now, and I love the life I have. Now, having said all that, I have a younger sister who is always the quote-unquote good one of the two of us. She's been down feds twice, and now she's got a first degree that was enhanced due to her history. I know why my husband and I committed the crimes we did, not that our excuses are right. I do understand what we did, why we did it, and what we had to do to stop going there. My sister, on the other hand, is really good at hiding, and I just found out that she has been committing the same type of crime over and over and over and over again. The only reason she is just now going down for a second time is because her husband had the money to pay restitution to the last two felonies, and they gave her probation. Now she is sitting in county getting ready to pull chain, and when I talk to her, it's like she's messed up in the head. She's gotten so used to lying to different people about different things that she can't remember what she has said and when. Yet, my family, brackets myself included, are still there for her. Although in my case, I keep copies of every correspondence I have with her because I don't want to get caught up in some of the mess she has a way of stirring up. What astounds me is this. The first time I went to prison, all of my blood family, except for my sister, turned their back on me, and until this day, only a very few will tolerate me based on my history. Yet my sister's history is so much more than mine, but we are all supporting her, even with us knowing she is lying. I would love to be able to talk to her straight up, but anytime that happens, she closes down. So, when should I give up? You know, they gave up on me, and I made it out, got an education, have a great job, and a really good life. When my sister gets out, she could still have a great life. The difference is she can do whatever she wants, deny it, blame it on someone else, or even try to get someone else to take the charge for her. Yet we will all be there for her because somehow out of the two of us, she is the weak one who is supposed to be defended, shielded, and taken care of. I have no other words than my own experience. I hope this adds to the conversation. Be blessed. And Safran writes, I was arrested one time and ended up doing 10 years. I hated jails and prisons and I can't even count the number of women returning time after time. And Combs adds, I did six years and came to know a lot of the guys who are quote-unquote somebody inside the fence, but it was obvious to me would never be considered to be quote-unquote be somebody outside. A good number of them couldn't handle that, felt better, liked their life better inside, brackets despite their griping, and so kept coming back. They were probably better off inside, family outside to play for sympathy and support, Almost no responsibilities to address or decisions to make, crappy medical care provided, educational opportunities that they never took advantage of, etc. When do you stop putting up with it and being supportive? That's your call. Might be that somebody just had to do a second stint before figuring anything out. But if you're looking at a third timer or worse, that's likely someone who just won't stop the revolving door thing. If that's the case, you'll end up needing to put yourself first and get on with your life before you get badly damaged by the process. Stay well and good luck with however it goes for you. And we'll go from that thread to a new thread in the Prison Talk Forum subforum for family and friends subforum when the relationship is over in a thread started by Cheeto Dorito entitled 
Seven years of support, and now he has ghosted a love story. And it goes like this. Wanted to share my story with those who come here lurking and possibly wondering if their SO is a scammer, user, or flat-out liar. I'm not asking for support or advice. I have moved past him and the whole scam and have moved on with my life. But for anyone thinking about uprooting or changing their lives for someone, please read on. The scammer, brackets how I now refer to him, went, went to the HWH back in March. I didn't hear from him for a while and bugged out, brackets, thinking he didn't want to talk to me, etc. As he waited to get his cell phone set up, etc., eventually I did hear from him and the request for money and support immediately started. I had committed while he was in prison to helping him get on his feet, you know, since we thought we were going to be together and all that jazz. Unfortunately, back in January, my financial situation changed after I had to buy myself a car after unexpectedly having mine totaled. I explained to him that I thought everything was kosher. Boy, was I wrong. So I did what I could by buying him clothes and giving him some cash to live on until he could get a job and get on his feet. All totaled, probably around $500. That was on top of God knows how much while he was actually in prison for all those years. One day while sitting... Oh, sorry. I just realized that HWH stands for halfway house. So he's been released from prison. That's what the story is. Okay. One day while sitting at home, I got a random call from some car dealership. Brackets, he was on the phone saying they had been told I was going to put down some money for a car for the scammer. I said, whoa, how much? And more importantly, why the hell are you calling me from the dealership? We didn't discuss any of that. Long story short, they wanted $2,000 down and he later found out the BOP wouldn't approve him taking a loan anyway. So he asked me to send him $2,000 or give my own car to him since I own it outright. Now, given that I'm not stupid or desperate, I said, no fucking way am I doing either of those things. I said, look, if you want to have a reasonable conversation about this, I will, but I will not be threatened or bullied into buying anything for anyone, much less giving my own bought and paid for car to anyone. Get out of here with that shit. I asked him a couple of days later if he wanted me to come see him and his response brackets, and I can't make this up, was... Quote, unquote, only if you're bringing $2,000 with you. I said, nope, bye. I haven't heard from him since. Before I blocked him from my phone, the things he said to me were absolutely appalling. I got called every name in the book. Every issue we ever had while he was in prison got thrown in my face. Brackets, and there were many. Even though we supposedly had a clean slate, and he said, quote, unquote, thank God I don't have to deal with you anymore. You are a slob and I hate you. Uh, okay, bye bye scammer. When he first got out, I was really hoping we did have that clean slate. I loved him. He saw me through some extremely dark times and vice versa. I thought he was quote unquote the one. I was ready to uproot my entire life and move to the area where he was brackets which is his hometown. I was looking for jobs and everything there. All for someone that sold me a bill of goods and he never had any intention of delivering. Unless the money train continued. It hurt like hell at first but now I realize I'm better off without him. Hopefully he'll find someone up to his quote unquote standard. Moral of the story if you think something is off it probably is. If you're doling out the money hand over fist and putting yourself in a bind stop. While he was in prison I can't count the number of times I sacrificed myself for him and had people tell me, quote unquote, cut the money off and see what happens. I did, and he ghosted. I felt stupid for believing this bullshit, but you know what? It was all my choice to do so in the end, and I did so believing what I chose to see through what I call, quote unquote, the love filter. It blinds the hell out of you and numbs those spidey senses that tell you something is wrong. Take care and bless you all in your relationships. Just keep your eyes open while you do. And Mitzi Muffling adds, I really appreciate you telling us your story, as sad as it is. But you are saying all the right things and giving good advice while doing so. Thank you, and I truly wish you all the best, heart emoticon. And Cheeto Dorito replies, 
One day he'll get what's coming to him. I don't wish it on him, but I do know a thing or two about the ways of the world and karma and how it will eventually catch up to him. I was not perfect while he was inside, but I never claimed to be either. I didn't make excuses. I asked for his forgiveness and was supposedly granted it by him. Forgiveness should not be conditional. You either give it and move on or you don't. And you definitely shouldn't throw it in someone's face when it's convenient to bash them with it. What makes him so stupid is that I would have given him everything I had. Brackets heart, time, support. If he had shown me one ounce of respect. He got in his head that I was going to buy him a car and support him until he was good to go on his own. That isn't love. It's using somebody. When I wouldn't and couldn't deliver, he tossed me aside like yesterday's news. As a personal aside, he is a recovering addict. He has been clean almost nine years now, but someone told me one time, brackets a drug dealer no less, that addicts, current or former alike, are cut from the same cloth. They use people, and if they are clean, they trade one addiction for another. It's the addict personality. I didn't believe him at first, but now it rings true in my situation, but may not apply to every addict. His addiction is using those for what he can get out of them and moving along. Now I know, and now I'm free. And we'll move from that thread to another thread in the subforum for family and friends, subforum when the relationship is over, in a thread started by Tinky Winky entitled, He Married Someone Else While in Jail. I know I'm going to get all kinds of responses on this, and I want them, so don't hold back. My son's father of two years hurt me while in a cocaine-induced state. The state of NY took the case and put him away for a while due to me being pregnant at the time and him being a predicate felon. I know, I know, some things won't ever change, but I know he has and nobody knows him the way I do. While in jail, we were going through some very rough times because I was pregnant alone, holding it down for myself and preparing for our son to be born. Every dime I had went to preparing for my child, brackets, my only child. Meanwhile, in the backdrop was his sugar mama, a woman he met in prison a long time ago who has been in and out of his life for eight years. In the past, I've found Western Union receipts in his pocket and knew for a fact that he was still keeping in touch with this woman. She sends him money all the time lives in another state and has a son his age. She's 54 and he's 32. Ick. She doesn't really look her age body wise, but hell, she's older than his mom. Any what that would make his mom. Okay. <laughs> Anywho, this woman has furnished our home before, brackets, I didn't know this at the time, and he was actually taking care of us with her money. I know it's dirty, but you know how some street men can think, by any means necessary. Needless to say, this money also funded his habit, and I was the only one who physically paid for it. Fast forward, as we got closer to trial and me having the baby, the pressure was on and I stopped visiting as much because I was getting too big. He said this let him know I would not do the time with him, forgive him, and that we would never go back to being where we were. He asked me to marry him while in jail, and I said no. I want to wait until he got out, at least until I saw some sincere change in him. Behind my back, he married this old fossil, and I know for sure it's for packages, someone to call and to be at his beck and call for whatever else he needs. He says he's not in love, not a husband, and made the biggest mistake of his life. I agree. His whole family stands by this, and I know in my heart he loves us. I just didn't reassure him I'd stand by him. I'm going for my first visit tomorrow, and I don't know how I feel. I know he loves me and his son, and I don't believe he'll stay with her. By the time he gets home, she'll be 60 and I'll be 39. Does she really think that someone who's been away all that time is coming home to play house with her old ass and he has a young, beautiful woman with a baby boy to raise? Something she can never give him? I want my family, but I just can't get past the fact that he actually married this Jurassic woman. I'm only dissing her because she called me and disrespected me and my son. Before that, she was just another woman in love with the same man as me, but she crossed the line and now all is fair and love and war. I don't know 
what to do. Give him time to get rid of her and have my family or take it for what it is and just let him see his son and move on. I'm still in love with him and although it's been almost a year since we've been together physically, I haven't seen him in two months since he's been upstate. Brackets, she has. I don't want to let go. Help! And Yaya's baby ads. Okay, why would you want someone who is a user? He's clearly using this woman, brackets, so you say. So why are you willing to wait and accept this nonsense from him? You have to ask yourself, what are you being used for? This man didn't think enough of you to wait until after the baby was born and try his best to hold you down. So why would you want someone who puts his needs before you and your child? He lied, cheated, and manipulated you while he was home and while he has been in prison. So you need to ask yourself if this marriage is another quote-unquote bump in the road you're willing to ride over. Good luck to you. So we'll leave that thread to go to a new thread in the prisontalk.com online forums, subforum for family and friends, subforum met while incarcerated in a thread started by Lovely In Co. entitled, How Did You Meet Your MWI Mate? And of course, MWI stands for Met While Incarcerated. And there is a poll and the results are, we met through a pen pal ad, 37%. We were introduced by a friend or family member, 32%. Other, please explain, 30%. And the original post goes like this. Hello, PTO slash MWI family. Hope everyone is doing well. I had a thought pop into my head. No agenda here, really. I'm just curious as to how you met. Was it through a pen pal ad? Did a friend slash family member introduce you? Also, how long have you, quote unquote, known your loved one? And wife C replies, I met my husband through a girl I knew at the time that was dating a guy in the same facility as him. Funny thing is, we got married and they, brackets, the guy and the girl that introduced us, are no longer together. And APF2489 writes, Well, we met in the prison. I was his detail officer, so we were around each other pretty much all day, every day. We have been, quote unquote, together, like officially, only since September when I quit the prison, which I quit so that we could be together. So now that we are, quote unquote, together, we never see each other, lol. What an oxymoron, huh? But we started caring for each other long before that. Well, it was the 1st of July when I finally admitted it. He already knew. He never really thought that I would quit my job, though. He really thought that he would have to wait on me until he got out, which he always said he would, because even if I didn't acknowledge my feelings for him, he knew that I felt them just as much as he did. But after months of pretending I didn't love him, I finally caved in and admitted it. I have never been happier about any decision I've made. And Patty adds... We quote-unquote met when he misdialed a family member's number and got me instead. We have been together almost three and a half years. I finished off what was left on the bid he was in on, brackets 14 months. He was home for 16 months, went back for six months, has been home for almost five months, and may or may not be going back in early next year. Also of interest, our first face-to-face -face meeting at the prison was made possible by a PTO moderator that happened to live just a few minutes away from me and offered me a ride. Smiling emotion. And MS Mom to Four writes, 11 years ago, my best friend asked me to write to her brother-in-law in prison. I had never done this or anything like this. Anyway, we began writing and wrote every day. During this time, we were just learning to know each other, and the same friend introduced me to her other brother-in-law, who I became involved with, had a baby with, and eventually married, which was not a good thing. Well, through all of this, Mike and I have stayed close. For him, we have dealt with this long bid, his divorce, his broken heart, and the death of his ex-wife. Through this, we have dealt with his little brother's mental illness, brackets, my ex-husband, 
my divorce and the issues have come from having feelings for your ex-husband's brother. Oh boy, shocked emoticon. Finally, we decided that the Lord had been trying to show us the way for almost 11 years. Now we are together in a relationship that neither of us believe was possible for either one of us and we are very happy, grinning emoticon. The family is learning to deal with it one day at a time. However, the ex-husband hates us. Even though he has moved on and is living with the woman he left me for, so as far as I'm concerned, God truly does work in mysterious ways. He has been trying to show me the way for 11 years and it took me a long time to get it, winking emoticon. Now that I have it, I will cherish Mike for the rest of my life. So there's our story. It truly isn't as crazy as it sounds, just very complicated. But we are happy and in love and it's all that matters in the long run. Winking smiley face, thumbs up emoticon. Have a happy day, MS mom to four. And Brooks adds, My stepsister's mom started writing to a pen pal from a magazine ad. After about six months, she wanted to meet him, but her car wouldn't make it. Somehow, I got asked slash offered to drive. My pen pal asked me to visit W slash his friend. He was a jerk. The next time I was supposed to visit someone else to pass the time while my friend visited, he got transferred out a few days before our visit. So last minute, it was, well, just talk to this guy. It's safer than you dropping E off and wandering around alone. Whatever. Well, it was far from whatever. It was the man who is now my husband and the father of our son. We have been together eight years, married for seven. My friend is not with the other guy anymore. And Debbie and Debbie214 ads. We met at work. Fresh out of prison after seven years and on parole, he got a job at the small upholstery shop I worked for. I wasn't looking for a relationship, brackets, and neither was he. But the more we talked, the more I was attracted to him. This was exacerbated by the fact that he didn't seem to be the least bit interested in me. I flirted shamelessly without realizing that he was interested. He was afraid to start something because of his situation. No one at work knew he was on parole. Eventually, and with some coaxing from another guy at work, brackets, and his daughter, and his best friend to whom he had talked about me. He asked me out. We were both nervous, but our date lasted from four in the afternoon until one in the morning. We went bowling, went for pizza, and just walked around town talking for hours, even when it started raining. We stopped at Starbucks for coffee twice, brackets, and once more just to pee, grinning emoticon. We were both amazed at how much we had in common. Shortly thereafter, he told me about his past. He put it all out there. We both knew we had a rare and wonderful connection, and he wanted to be honest from the start if it was going to become serious. I was taken aback, of course. Course, but I appreciated his honesty. I decided we could handle it, and we've been together ever since. I found the true love of my life at the age of 47. When our boss decided to retire, he offered us the opportunity to buy the business. Unfortunately, three months shy of being off parole, my love was returned to prison for a technical rule violation. If all goes well, he'll be out in early 2008, and we'll get married, run our business together, and grow old in love. And Lonely and Co. writes, Aw, Debbie, what a sweet story. I just realized that I kind of left out my details, although a few of you already know my story. Brackets, just like we all know Patty's, LOL. Anyway, I had a cousin who was locked up a few years back for a murder he didn't commit. My cousin has since been released after winning his appeal, but while he was there, I wrote him religiously, keeping him updated on all my life and the lives of the rest of the family. I wanted to communicate with him as much as possible to make his time go faster. Well, my cousin didn't write back much, so he figured he'd, quote-unquote, hook me up with a buddy of his. I don't know if my cousin had this kind of agenda in mind, but that was back in October 2003, and B and I have been writing ever since. Our romantic relationship started just over a month ago, and I can't wait till we can be together on the outside. Just over a year to go as he gets out in Mar 2008. On a side note, I have yet to meet my man face to face. 
Working on it, though. And Rotten writes, I met him when I wrote to tell him my ex and his best friend was killed. He got me on the visiting list, and we just clicked. And TNC writes, My situation is more of an other type of thing. I met him on the outside, but didn't get to know him until he was on the inside. I met my husband when he lived across the street from my brother. At the time, I couldn't even have told you his last name or eye color, much less anything else about him. It was more of a I knew who he was thing, but didn't really know him. Because I lived a block down the same road, he knew I lived in the same street as him. One day while sitting in prison, he was talking to a friend of mine. They didn't have a clue they both knew me until somehow the street my husband lived on was bro up. Needless to say, the quote-unquote, I knew a girl who lived in that street was mentioned, and you can guess the rest of the conversation. Anyways, he told my friend to say hello from him. He then asked my friend if he could have my address to write me. Of course, with my permission, my friend gave him the address. I was more curious at the time as what he could possibly have to say to me. I really had no intention of writing back. In fact, I got the first letter from him. I didn't write back until a month later when I got a second letter. Had you told either of us five years ago we would not only be married, but so in love we would have both laughed it off. February 2007 will be four years from when I first got that letter. January 7 will be two years since we got married. And Taylor Maid writes, Well, initially, Lee was trying to write to my best friend, but I knew that wasn't going to work out. They have two totally different personalities. One day, we went to visit my brother on the yard, and Lee happened to be there with his mama and brother. I thought to myself, quote-unquote, That man has to be the best-looking thing I have ever seen. Only problem was I was 17, he was 27. My brother told me to go ahead and write him as friends. Well, we know how that works out. He was released about a year later. We had a daughter together, and now he's back in with a 25-year bid this time. We are locking at two life sentences running CS. Damn my bad luck. But we still trucking, and we're gonna make it. And Yaya's baby writes... Hey, I met my snot face through my bro-in-law. My niece's father was in prison and I wrote him to let him know that I would be keeping his daughter for a year to help my sister out while she finished school. I gave him my address and phone number and told him he can call his daughter anytime he wanted to. On Feb 1, he called and was telling me who was in there with him that I might know. So he mentioned my hun E's name and I was like, oh, tell him I said hi and I remember he used to hustle with my brother years ago and that he used to call me Koala Bear. Brackets. He said that I look like one. So a few days later, my bro-in-law called again and talked to his baby, and then me and him talked. Then he said, Shaquana, this boy in here driving me crazy about you, and he wants to send you a Valentine's Day card. So I asked him where he is now, and he said he's right here. You want to talk to him? He got on the phone, and I said hi, and I kept the convo pretty neutral. Then he said, I sent you a Valentine's Day card. I hope that's okay with you. I said, sure, that's fine. On Feb 14th, I was checking my mail because I didn't have anywhere to go or no one to go out with, and in the mailbox, there was the card. After that, we just kept writing each other. Now we talk every day, and it's weird because it feels like I knew him all my life. I hope you enjoyed my story of me and my snot face. LOL. And his shorty ads. I met Mines through a pen pal ad. I was coming home from class one day and I heard my fave radio station reading an inmate's letter on the air and I was wondering if you could really in fact quote unquote Google that and find prison pen pals. Keep in mind that I had no idea about prison-ish before. 
So anyways, after looking ad after ad, this one specific ad really caught my eye, not to mention the way he looked in the picture. Come to find out his aunt wrote the ad for him, and I wanted to see what he was all about. I remember writing the dude a letter that existed of one paragraph only. We became really close and wrote religiously, and I fell in love, but I didn't go into this looking for love. Here we are. It's been two years through a whole heap of crap. You name it, we overcame it, and we are going to be getting married in a few months. Bella. My cousin's baby daddy has been locked up since last month, and I wrote to him along with her because I got just as much love for him as well. Brackets. I used to mess around with his older brother. He knows how good of a person I am and told and knows his brother was an asshole to me. Anyway, one of his cellmates is his round. Fucked with each other. Tough, tough. When he was out. <laughs> whatever that means. Fucked with each other tough tough when he was out when he was out here saw one of my picks and told him and told him that he needed me on his team. He said he quote unquote could tell I was a real ass gal. Don't ask me, lol. I don't know how you can tell by someone's pick, but I'm feeling him since we on the same shit. <laughs> what? Wait, lol, I don't know how you can tell by someone's pick, but I'm feeling him since he on the same shit I'm on and he gets out in like two months. I'll be visiting him for the first time on this Tuesday and I'm super ready. I'm nervous as hell though. Colon love colon. And Little Red 4SD writes, I was a guard in the prison where I met my sweetheart. I resigned so that we could be together. He is a lifer but I know he will get a date soon. I did that job for a long time, and now I know both sides of the fence. And we'll go from that thread to a new thread in the Prison Talk Forum subforum Loving A, ellipsis, subforum Loving a Violent Offender, in a thread started by Miss Baby Lissy entitled, Was the victim, quote-unquote, innocent? And it goes like this. Just wondering if the violent offense your loved one was in for was against someone completely innocent, i.e. someone who was either a stranger or did nothing to your loved one. If so, what are yours slash your loved one's feelings towards the victim now that he slash she has tried to make amends? And Jillian writes, We have a friend who was in for assault and he did great bodily harm to someone who started the fight. He was angry at the guy because all he did was defend himself against him and he didn't get anything but a slap on the wrist, so to speak. Does he want to make amends? No. And Murphy Girl adds, My husband's victims were not innocent. They had guns too. They just didn't have the same outcome as my husband. And Miss Baby Lissy adds, Hi, E-Wife. I guess I'm trying to understand the distinction between the quote-unquote victims that participated or instigated the VO or as opposed to those that took their anger out on an innocent bystander. For those of you that know me, I am a family member of a victim of a violent crime and the victim was a four-month-old baby. I have learned from reading PTO that all cases are different and not all those labeled as violent offenders are created equal. However, even when the victim is innocent, many offenders change and have remorse for their crime. Brackets S. In going through counseling, I know it is important to find forgiveness at some point, although in my case, that is probably a long way off. I wonder if I'll be able to see a change in remorseful man in our first parole hearing, brackets decades away, and if I will be able to forgive him. I would like to think I am capable of that, but I really don't know yet. And Miss 50 Cal writes, No, my husband's quote-unquote so-called victim was far from innocent. They had more than one weapon in their possession. Unfortunately, was husband was the one with the deadly outcome. Flaming angry emoticons. And Joey and Tony writes, 
Your question is a good one, although it is somewhat ambiguous. I feel that anyone who has been maimed or killed is a victim. It doesn't matter who's the aggressor. The blame game is usually a protective mechanism to keep us distracted from the horrible reality that someone was seriously hurt or injured. When I first learned of Joey's situation, I was enraged with his ex-girlfriend. One day, my anger subsided and allowed me to feel for her. She is bound to that wheelchair for the rest of her life. Yes, Joey is doing his time, but IMO, to be quadriplegic, would be a fate worse than death. In a strange way, she is also imprisoned. Joey is still very angry at her and is not taking accountability for his actions. He has lots of time left, but he hasn't come around in six years. I feel this is his cross to bear, and I hold no ill feelings towards Joey or his ex. I try to remind him that when we forgive, it isn't for the other person. It is to heal our own spirit. She drops him a letter about once a year reminding him that she hates him and rehashes the gory details of that morning. He finally asks the mailroom to return her letters. This is just my two cents. I apologize in advance if it offends anyone. And Brienne adds, no, the victim was not innocent, but the media played the victim out to be that way. I personally knew the victim and was a friend to them. My fiancé is working on making amends with himself and the victim's family. And RJ's baby girl writes, No, he wasn't innocent. You've all heard the saying, quote-unquote, what comes around goes around. Well, he had it coming. It was two years after he should have done it, but get him when they least expect it. I guess. I'm not condoning what my fiancé did, but I'm also not going to say he was in the complete wrong either. If you're going to be a snitch and talk poo on someone's girl, then you best learn to fight. The guy narked my man out and was talking smack on me. And PTO 79211 writes, My husband's victim was not innocent in their situation. The quote-unquote victim and his friend got into a fight with my husband, and then my husband's quote-unquote friends stepped in, and then weapons were drawn from all parties involved. The victim was shot and killed, and my husband was shot by the victim's friend. My husband did not pull the trigger that killed the victim. He admits to being a knucklehead and stupid, and after spending much time in prison, has realized that wasn't the best way to handle the situation. He has remorse to the victim and his family. They were all so young and lives were ruined, and he wishes he could go back and do it all differently. And why trip ads? IMO, the victims are the ones who grieves the loss of a loved one through death or incarceration. I can't see a victimless person in these kind of things. No one wins and everyone cries for the pain and the senselessness of it all to stop. Pain can't rationalize who is at fault. All we feel is a deep loss in our life. It doesn't matter at this point how we got here or who hit first or who pulled out first. It matters how we choose to move on and heal and pray the family standing next to us makes it through the pain as well. <laughs> No motor, what end of the stick they are on. IMO, yes, the victims are innocent because myself, his children, and family lost him in the system, and we had nothing to do with what happened. We can only pray we get him back, and the other family affected finds comfort. That's my two penny emoticons. And M77 writes, My husband murdered a quote-unquote family friend and honestly hubby should not have done what he did but the majority of people that know about hubby's crime state he should not be punished for this personally i agree with the victims being the ones left behind trying to understand why and how did this happen and i'm lost again as in my opinion they weren't innocent the two of them beat me almost to death two years ago and i believe they got what was coming to them but unfortunately my love was punished more harshly than he should have been and Love Online NKS writes, 
Hell no. The person my hun killed should have been locked up, literally. He was running on parole violation and had warrants in two other states for extortion, drugs, and assault. It was just a matter of time for him. I'm just sorry that it was baby that brought it all to an end. And Miss Official 05 writes, My man's quote-unquote victim was innocent. My man is also innocent. It's crazy he didn't even do the crime. Didn't even go inside the store where the incident happened. The guy who actually was holding the gun and threatened the quote-unquote victim got a slap on the wrist and was out in less than a year. I showed a picture of my man to the quote-unquote victim and she said it wasn't my man that did the crime. Brackets that she had never seen my man in her life. But she would not go to the court and testify. The system is so messed up. Tongue sticking out emoticon. And Greta's house writes, I think the victim in brother's case was my brother, and he was innocent. His friend shot his girlfriend when she got pregnant with another boy's child. My brother was there when it happened, and he helped his friend get rid of her after it was done. <laughs> Apparently, his friend told my brother earlier in the day that he was going to kill the girl, but Michael just thought it was something that people just say. In the end, because of that statement, the law found him just as guilty, even though there was only one positive gunshot residue test and my brother's was negative. The law sees her as the victim. I don't think she's an innocent victim. A lot of people tried to say that she had confided a fear of the boy in them, but she willingly went to his house alone. I think she was just one of those girls who liked playing around and got caught up. I don't think she was an evil person or anything but maybe a vixen and definitely not innocent and love for bobby 19 writes the quote-unquote victim in my fiance's case was not innocent but he sure thinks he is after a night of drinking he attacked me and my fiance and unfortunately my fiance took it to another level and used the knife therefore the quote-unquote victim was hurt a lot more than we were the police came and only arrested my fiance even though this kid admitted to pushing me off my fiance first from the beginning this kid has played the victim card and acted like my fiance attacked him for no reason he showed up at the sentencing and pushed for the max and is actually suing my fiance civilly now as if sending him to prison for seven years wasn't quote-unquote justice enough and yes my fiance is very sorry for the severity of what he did and it was very much out of his character it was something that never would have happened if he wasn't provoked drunk and protecting himself and me the only thing i can hope for is that what goes around really does come around and in some way this kid will pay for his part in that terrible night and Tony Jean adds, Yes, the victim was completely innocent, and it was a robbery. My man did not pull the trigger, his friend did, and my man was so dusted he does not remember all of it. He has deep remorse, but we do not discuss it. The one thing he did tell me was that if he did not wind up in prison with the path he was on, he would have wound up dead. And speakeasy adds, No, the guy was not innocent because my man was nice enough to let the guy borrow money, a lot of money, and the guy wasn't going to pay him back. My husband has a thing about people paying him back because he feels that he feels what if he really needed that money for something like the electric bill or gas or rent for his family and this guy wasn't ever going to pay him back so my husband saw it as taking food off his table even though my husband didn't even need the money at the time he still wanted his money back so my husband beat the shit out of this guy brackets he was high off pcp so he didn't feel anything and felt like he was king of the world this guy was his girlfriend at the time's brother so they considered it as a domestic assault he did get his own karma for dealing with it in that manner though but i still don't think the guy was innocent do you and qn to my kg writes no he was not a victim as a matter of fact he shot my king first it was sad the outcome was bad but my king should be dead but he had allah brackets god watching over him
And Ace Dog writes, everyone that gets killed is a quote-unquote victim. Also, everyone that kills is a quote-unquote victim. As a killer gets older, we think about the ones that were killed. Something that a young man would kill for, an older man might let slide. I have never known anyone that killed someone that didn't think of the victim once in a while. Maybe walking down the street and see someone who looks like the victim or hear a name or just out of the blue. So you see the killer in a way also becomes a victim. The mind can play a lot of games and often it remembers things that a person would just as soon forget. And although that thread goes on for another six pages, we'll leave that thread and go to a new thread in the Prison Talk Forums subforum for family and friends subforum juvenile in a thread started by Detention Bound entitled and need advice slash updated. And it goes like this. I am a 16-year-old girl who is bound for juvenile detention and in desperate need of advice. I got my driver's license shortly after my birthday. Two months later, I was driving down the road behind someone who was refusing to drive the speed limit. I knew I was in a no-passing zone, but I was impatient. I thought it was safe and tried to overtake the other driver. In doing so, I steered my car into a head-on collision with a motorcyclist. His headlight was off. I didn't see him until it was too late. He was killed instantly. I've been charged with negligent homicide. I am home on house arrest pending my next hearing. My sentence will be handed down then. From what my lawyer tells me, the prosecutor is going to be pushing for the maximum, which would have me in juvenile detention until I'm 18. My lawyer, of course, will be arguing for a lighter sentence. No matter how this plays out, I'll be looking at jail time as the best we can hope for is a 30-day sentence. Here's where I need advice. I take full responsibility for what occurred and I know I need to pay for what I've done. I know that the prosecutor, brackets according to my lawyer, is pushing for the max at the request of the victim's family. I know most people would beg for mercy if they were in my place, but I just can't find it in myself to do it. When it comes time for for me to address the court, I want to let everyone know how sorry I am for all this and I agree that the prosecutor's proposed sentence is reasonable. I don't want to be seen as trying to weasel out of anything. I'm willing to take whatever I'm given. Am I crazy for thinking and feeling this way? Everyone seems to be telling me that the lightest sentence is the way to go, but someone is dead because of me. I just can't act like it didn't happen or it's no big deal. I hope someone reading this can understand and offer some guidance. I also hope that anyone who reads this won't make the same mistake I did. Being stuck behind a slow driver is better than knowing that someone is dead because of you. Trust me. And Sangam writes, I do not think you are crazy in any way, and I think it's quite mature of you to be taking responsibility for what happened. I'm sorry for this whole situation and everyone involved. While I understand where you're coming from on wanting to not get out of this without repercussions, I think it's pretty clear already that you're not going to get out of this without repercussions. You caused someone's death and that is staying with you, whether you're in jail or out of it. I am not in your position and can only offer my opinion, but everything I have seen does not lead me to believe that the criminal justice system is in any way a positive. Not for you, not for the family of the victim, not for anybody. If you realize the weight of what you did, could you look into doing something else positive with your life? Outside of sitting in jail. Volunteer opportunities, perhaps, or education that will let you go into a field that will make an actual positive impact. But I don't believe in punishment for punishment's sake. I think working to turn your life into something positive could go a lot further than just being punished. And XO Lady writes, Wow, I'm sitting here crying for you. What a harsh lesson to learn. You're not crazy. In fact, you seem extremely well-grounded. I believe you'll get through this with the grace and courage you have shown by taking responsibility for what's happened. I hope you get some support and help to deal with your guilt. And Lady Blue adds, Thank you for your post. I believe that you are right to stand up and say how you feel in court. It was a terrible decision that you made. I think you are facing that fact well, and you must go on as best you can. Speak 
sincerely and ask forgiveness. It was an accident. It won't help you more in the long run to be locked up longer if you don't need to be. I know from experiencing it from the victim's family side. My ex-husband was turned into a quadriplegic by a driver who didn't look before she pulled out in front of him and the accident broke his neck. He later died in hospice. This happened last July 2013. The driver was an 18-year-old girl who was not criminally prosecuted. She walked away with no consequences other than a careless driving ticket. I did not understand at the time how it could be possible, but that was according to the law here in Florida. Our daughter took it very hard to lose her father. It took her almost a year to recover. The driver never apologized or even tried to contact us. I wonder sometimes about her and if it has damaged her life to not try to make amends for her stupid driving error. I think that when you go to court, you can and should say you are sorry for what happened, but also ask for a minimal sentence since locking you up won't really change anything for the family. The laws are strange and not all outcomes are deserved or undeserved. The important thing is that you lead your life constructively from now on. The important thing is that you lead your life constructively from now on. I believe you will. Whatever time you are sentenced and educate yourself to make a positive change in the world with the rest of your life, forgive yourself. Go on. Live your life. Make a difference. And Detention Bound replies, My apologies to everyone who is posted for not responding sooner. Things have been crazy. Had a lot to get done in preparation for my hearing, which was this morning. I appreciate all the good advice and would like to provide everyone with an update on what's been happening. I just got back from my hearing and it was emotional to say the least. I've never been so overcome with guilt and nerves in my entire life. I had an opportunity to apologize to my victim's family, which I am extremely grateful for. I feel a lot better now that I've had a chance to do that. I think it may have been helpful for them to hear it too. I hope so. They seemed less upset once they saw how upset I have been since this happened. My sentence begins on Saturday, which means I have one more day of freedom before I have to surrender myself to a local juvenile jail where I'll be serving my time. I'm glad... I'm glad that's where I'll be. If I had been sent to the Ware Youth Center, my parents and sister wouldn't be able to visit much. My sentence is for nine months. The judge was actually lenient in that he's allowing me time away from the hall on weekdays for regular school. He saw that I've been a really good student and didn't want to quote-unquote derail my chances of getting into college, as it'll be tough enough with this conviction. I have to return in the evenings, though, to be locked up until the next morning when I'm allowed out again. I also have to stay in the hall 24 hours a day on weekends, holidays, and summer break. Basically anytime school's out. Uh, basically anytime school's out, I have to be there. I'm still feeling nervous because I've never been locked up and I don't know what to expect, but I'm also happy. But I'm also happy because my victim's family seemed to feel that justice had been done. I now think more than anything, they just want a they just wanted a sincere I think they just wanted a they just wanted a sincere apology, which they got. Once this is all over, I plan on taking the advice of that several of you offered. I want to speak to others about my ordeal in the hope that they won't be as careless as I was. I have a, I'll have a PO, parole officer, once I'm released. Maybe she'll, maybe she'll be able to help me figure out how to best go about doing this. Sorry, but I gotta go. I haven't eaten since last night. Brackets. <laughs> was too nervous to eat breakfast. And if I don't get food soon, I'm gonna faint. But I just had to let everyone know how things went first. And again, I appreciate everyone's advice and concern. Thank you so much. And we'll leave that thread and go to a new thread once again in the Prison Talk Forum subforum for family and friends subforum met while incarcerated in a thread started by Kamradradra entitled, How Attracted Are You to Your MWI's Physical Appearance? And there is a poll, 100%. Uh, and the results are 41%, 100%, 17%, 75%, 24%, 
<laughs> Wait, let's start over again because it's making fucking sense. Okay. And there is a poll. And the poll to the question, how much does your physical attraction play to your uh, met while incarcerated relationship? 41% said it matters 100%. 17% said it matters 75%. 24% said it matters 50%. 6% said it matters 25%. And 9% said it matters less than 25%. And the first post goes like this. How important is it How important is UMWI's physical appearance to you? I don't mean facial features because beauty is truly in the eye of the beholder. I'm talking about that rock hard body. I don't want to sound shallow, but his body is a plus. And to say that it is not an attribute to him in my in my attraction for him would be a lie. Of course, it's not all his. Of course, it's not his only attribute. I love other beautiful qualities about his. I love other beautiful qualities. I love his other beautiful qualities, but his body is tight. My man's body is sculpted. I mean the pecs, hamstrings, forearms, glutes, washboard stomach with a six-pack and the whole nine yards. I was thinking when he comes home, will he let his body go flab? I know men that are attracted to their women's bodies and proudly say so. My question is how many of you find your MWI's physical body a definite attraction? And addicted one writes, definitely quote-unquote hot. All that six-pack pecs, arms, glutes, just fine, girl, fine. I love his mind, but the package is is definitely a plus. It sure makes it all go down a little bit easier. Grinning emoticon. And Paul's wifey adds, Oh, his body is an added plus. I fell in love with his mind. But the body makes you drool. LOL. I don't care that I know some will... I don't care that I know that some will go when he gets home. He won't have all that time to work out. But it's definitely nice eye candy for today. Grinning emoticon. And Allie0811 writes, I love his six-pack stomach. Just turns me on every time. He tells me he's still exercising there so I can imagine when he comes out how good he is going to look. How good so I can imagine when he comes out how good is going to look. And Convict Lover adds, My guy is not a Greek god or anything. He is a big boy, brackets, not muscles. It was his eyes and the way they stared at me, right to my soul. I feel safe with him. I love him. He is cute. He is he is cute as hell, though. And Love's Design adds, Thinking of his arms just now almost made me shed a tear. Every time I feel him around me or grab his big, lovely forearms as we are holding hands, it just makes me melt so much. Dang, I missed that man. And Patty adds, Sebastian is built like an action figure. Hot, hot, hot. And to top it off, my thug has a heart of gold. Sigh, Patty. And G-Lady adds, well, ha 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 ha, my man got a good damn looking smoking hot body, LMAO. He has a heart of gold and the bestest, brackets, if that's a word, lol, LOL, personality ever, but that body don't hurt, LOL. He showed me his stomach last visit, damn, I was drooling, LMAO. Thumb, uh, winking emoticon, thumbs up emoticon, ah, can't wait to get... Ah, can't wait till he get out, LMAO. I think you got to love every aspect of your man, whether it's physical, mental, emotional. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Let's just say I love everything about him, grinning emoticon. And being physically attracted to your partner is a definite important part of a relationship. Winking emoticon, thumbs up emoticon.
And Angel's Delight writes, His body is not what makes me swoon and go completely mad over him. He has a body shape I like. It's not rippling with muscles, which actually is a turnoff for me. Asterix, go figure. It's his personality. How he treats me like his queen that makes my man so damn sexy in my eyes. I really am a true believer that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And... Julia303 writes, I only saw his face in the pic of his ad when we became pen pals. Then I began to like him for who he is, his personality. Then he sent me pictures and I felt like I hit the jackpot. The wonderful man with the right personality and then super hot on top of that? No complaints from me, grinning emoticon. And Temerone0926 writes, I said 25% because it was his mind that attracted me first. It was pure luck that he is hot. He has the best ass, and I can't wait to get my hands on it, grinning emoticon. I fell in love with him long before I saw that whole quote-unquote package, but that is okay. I would have loved him anyway. Ten periods. And Mesmerize adds, Girl, I am too into his body. His big arms, calves, he does squats like crazy. Ooh, just thinking about how toned his gluteus maximus must be gets me sweating. Brackets, sigh. And Wobai adds, Boo's got the body of a black Adonis and three beautiful legs. And J.S. Mamas writes, I was already Twitter-pated when I saw a picture, so it was just added bonus that he is so hot. I have never been with a man with a six-pack and damn it, it's super hot. He works out every day and we have talked about working out together when he comes home. I told him I wasn't doing any burpees though, tongue sticking out emoticon. And Kim and Tonic writes, I kind of went searching for my man, so I knew in advance that he was beautiful, winking emoticon. When looking through the pen pals, I first looked at appearance, then read about them. Out of about a hundred or so guys, I kept coming back to him. Something in his eyes. He has gorgeous green eyes, sigh. But seriously, he has a great smile, sexy eyes, nice lips, brackets, yum, good hair, and a nice haircut. He is fine seven exclamation points and his body ooh wee i'm only 5'5 five five and i tend to like shorter guys he's 5'8 his arms forearms shoulders neck all built and delicious six pack and all that sexy little brad pitt v thing going on oh yeah I make him flex and grab his biceps and rub his strong forearms. The funny thing is he has very pretty hands, soft and delicate with long fingers, perfectly shaped, turn them over, and they are manly and calloused from working out. And as far as what he's quote-unquote packing, LOL, I made him trace it and send it to me. Bwah ha 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 He was that perfect outside. I wanted to know what I'd be working with, and ladies, I am not disappointed. Thumb sticking up, winking emoticon, thumb sticking out emoticon. And Amanda9014 writes, He could have the ugliest body in the world and I would still love him because of how much he loves and cares for me, but fortunately, he does have a nice body. I love his body. Boy, oh boy, does he have big arms, a muscular chet, and a bubble butt. I don't think he will let it go when he comes home. He talks about working out when he comes home all the time. It's become like a hobby for him. Another wife, too, finishes the episode by saying, Hello, everyone. It's been a long g-g-g-g-time since since I last posted, I lurk. 
This one had me, as just the other day I was looking at my legal, loving husband's picture. Brackets, the ones from CCA were great, yet CCAs are not even worthy of being called dog pounds versus him being back in state, and the picture he recently sent me is so bad I can't even see his face at all. Quote, unquote, legal theft of money for services so bad, literally the courts would give him his money back. Oh, if we had a court that did the right thing to start with. Anyways, I was remembering back to when we became came we and all of the etcetras and you knows he is the best looking man that i have ever known from the moment we became we i have literally not seen a better man anywhere obama okay he comes close for now let's see how he deals with this crap the wasp men have done all these years they were in control i can only see a brighter future my historically correct political slash religious views are for another post i read the other night my man is the only one i quote unquote long for in the purest slash most raw slash naked way ever imaginable woo daddy Bring it home to mama. Grinning emoticon. Much love to you all here. Peace out. Well, well, what did you think of this one? This was an unusual episode, sort of a slice of lifey kind of episode for the slice of lifey for the prison wifey. Yeah, it's all about a part of life that most of us never think about being in love with a prisoner or a criminal and dealing with the repercussions of that or the thought of having to go to jail. All a bummer. But aren't we all in a jail of our own minds and prejudices? Think about that. This is a forum that I had meant to read a long time ago and I got distracted. Originally there was a, uh, I remember there was a thread about being disappointed that you wouldn't be allowed to wear your wedding dress to your wedding in the prison to marry a prisoner, which I thought was funny. But I forgot to read that one and I just remembered it just right now. <laughs> Anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. It was, you know, a departure from the last few episodes, which have been super gross, but I needed a break. And as I mentioned before, with all of the other trials and tribulations with my life, as far as uh, getting laid off and all the other issues with teenagers and, and whatnot, I've been a little distracted. So I appreciate everyone for sticking it out and listening to this episode. And I sincerely hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, so let's just wrap this one up for you real quick. As always, another reminder, please, if you want a magnet, please email me at loureads at gmail.com. I am super low on magnets at the moment. So if you want one, ask for one. I'm going to probably put in another order very soon. But uh, best way to get one is to ask. And just send me your name and email address and say I want a magnet to loureads at gmail.com. If you haven't joined the Facebook group and you're not not afraid that I'm going to steal your information and help swing an election for Donald Trump again, please follow the Lou Reed's page at Facebook. Follow me on Instagram, all the places. And, uh, oh, and follow me at Lou Reed's on twitch.tv slash Lou Reed's if you like Twitch. I'm going to be streaming my car talk show where I talk from my car on Tuesdays. And uh, it's fairly entertaining, I think, considering that it's just me talking to myself for 25 minutes in the car. But I do try to engage people who are watching if they chime in and let me know they're there. So we'll see how that goes. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of Lou Reads the Internet for You. My name's Lou. This has been Lou Reads the Internet for You, Prison Talk Edition. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>